For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's time for the Say Hey Podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. Available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. The Say Hey Podcast is sponsored by Manteca Bedquarters. Whether you're located in the Bay Area or the Central Valley, head out to Manteca and visit Manteca Bedquarters for great rates on mattresses from Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, and other top brands. Manteca Bedquarters also has bedroom furniture and bedding accessories. Located on the corner of Main and Yosemite in Manteca, visit MantecaBedquarters.com for more details. episode 72 of the say hey podcast this is doug hayes aka say hey doug it is march 21st 2022 as always I'd like to bring in my co-host say hey rob rob happy monday my friend how's it going happy monday douglas happy monday good to talk to you again uh missed out on last last thursday had a little trip to, to reno for march madness with with the families so that was oh, fun yeah. but great episode with uh with our boy jeff young i mean awesome stuff and we got another great guest coming in today yeah man it was, Jeff, jeff's always great we've had him on a couple times um but definitely excited for tonight uh, because we love talking prospects on here so we are bringing in the great roger munter um roger writes for there are giants.com he is the host of the there are giants podcast you can follow him on twitter at rog61 that's rog61 roger welcome to the say hey podcast how's it going it is going great. You guys did not tell me I was following Jeff. Now, now I'm a little bit intimidated by that. But, uh, uh, I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's always it's always fun to get to talk uh, Giants baseball with some fellow fans. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've had Jeff on a couple of times, and he's, you know, I I thought he would have been great coming on, especially since I didn't have Rob available last week. He could come on and kind of talk about the new additions at the major league level the Giants have made. So, um, yeah, like I said, we are. We love talking prospects every couple of episodes on here because we're definitely excited about the future and the direction that this farm system's heading in. And um, you happen to be in Arizona right now. Is that correct? And what's you been up there down there? You know, I, I am in Arizona. I've been here for I, I guess I've been here for a week now. And let me just say, uh, it's not just us fans who are excited about the future of the organization. When I'm over at the minor league camp every day. I see Farhan Zaidi there. I see Scott Harris there. I see Jeremy Shelley there. All of the Giants' top decision makers are really invested in what's going on at minor league camp because this really is kind of the 
the wave of the future that's going to come up to the major league level. So, you know, it's really fun seeing these guys. There's a lot of talent out there of, over all kinds of ages. You know, you, you see like these 17 and 18 year olds, you see the guys in their twenties, you kind of watch their bodies develop and get stronger and, and more mature as they go along. And you, you can just kind of see it's like, you know, wave one, wave two, wave three. There's a lot of talent on these fields. It's pretty exciting. I bet. And especially since, you know, a couple of years ago, this system was towards the bottom of the barrel of major league baseball. I mean, it was 28, 29th in some rankings, and now it's, you know, kind of in that top five to 10 range. So I can imagine seeing the overall talent, um, you know, from a guy that covers the prospects, it's got to be exciting compared to a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of that is, some of that is cyclical. Some of it is, is, you know, the system was down for some of the right reasons for a long time, because obviously we got a lot of championships. They were in the postseason. You spend prospect capital. That's an important reason why you have prospects in the first place. Uh, but definitely from about 2018, uh, I've said a lot of times that to me, the 2018 international draft class, which is, you know, Marco Luciano, Jairo Pomaris, Louis Matos, uh, and some other guys, that I think is going to go down in Giants history in a way similar to like the 2008 draft class with Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford. It's kind of an epical moment in this franchise's history. And really the in years after there's, there is a lot of international hitting talent uh, kind of flowing through this organization. It's like international hitting talent and pitchers taken out of the domestic draft, put those two things together. And, uh, and there, there's actually the a ball teams have a lot of talent between those two groups yeah there's there's definitely a ton of talent down there right now and you got to believe too with the uh, delayed of spring training and all the talent that the Giants do have out there there's got to be a, a lot of eyes and a, a lot of you know progress progressing uh, coming in right 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 now with with all the uh, with all the scouts because that's a lot of, of, uh, of evaluating to, to do in such a short time before opening day Absolutely. Like I said, the, the brain trust is out there every day watching these guys. There are a ton of scouts there. Uh, I've seen, you know, guys from the Giants international scouting, you know, like the top people from the international scouting department have been up there. Um, you know, the, the pro scouts have been there. Uh, everybody is there because this really has so much to do with where this, this organization is going. And, you know, the most important thing about prospects is, you know, Brian Saban used to always say this, you have to know your prospects better than other teams do. That comes into account when you're making trades, right? You want to know who's, who's the guys you can trade. You right. need to know how to advance your guys. You always have to know your system. And you can see how much the Giants care about what's going on in these fields when you're out there every day. Well, let's, let's jump into some prospects. And um, like you mentioned, you've been in Arizona for about a week now. I just wanted to pick off the top of your head. What's the first name you think of during your time in the desert this last week? Well, Doug, first let me say there's no way you're going to hold me to one name. <laughs> I am definitely <laughs> going to give you more than one name. Um, Go for it. But, you know, uh, probably Louis Matos. Um, and I haven't seen him for a few days now. He, he's either been on, on the road or he's been uh, up at the big league games. Uh, but the first couple of days I was here, he really put on a show. I mean, such a talented kid and a smart player. Uh, the first game I saw, like within seconds, he'd hit a home run off a really good Diamondbacks prospect. Uh, and then he doubled and he hit a hard line out and he worked a walk. The second time game I saw him, he was facing a knuckleballer. And I would 
bet money that he had never seen a knuckleball before, nor had anybody in that lineup. And they were taking some weird looking swings the first time through the order. But the second time through the order, he was crushing balls off this guy. And it just like you, you can almost see him make adjustments. I mean, he adjusts to things so fast. It, it never looks like there's a learning curve with William Matos. Um, his, his IQ on the field is incredible. His hand-eye coordination is incredible. Just an incredibly exciting player. Um, I also, that first game, saw Marco Luciano hit a ball like to the moon. It's the, the power. This kid is extraordinary. Um, so and those are the two names that probably pop out at me. I saw Kyle Harrison once, and he looks really good. Uh, I'd be very, very excited about his season coming up. Um, I really like what I've seen from a catcher, the Panamanian catcher, uh, Adrian Sagaste, who's probably going to be at San Jose. Um, that's the, the, yeah. I'll stop there. But there's there's a lot of arms coming from the draft too. A lot of big arms down here. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, that that San Jose team last year with Luciano, Matos, and Harrison. That they were fun to watch. And me, me and Doug, we, we had to go see him like like six or seven times last year. I mean, great stuff. Great stuff. It's going to be a good team this year, too. So Galste and Arteaga are a really impressive combination. Yeah, we are we are pretty close to Stockton. So whenever uh, the Giants come out from San Jose, we we try our best to get out there for a few games every year. Oh, we, so. so that's the best place to see them, right? Because last year they put a hurting on the Stockton team like no one has ever done. They had like oh, a yeah. series where they hit 20 home runs I yeah. think, in six days. It was incredible. Yeah, and Banner Island's a great environment. It's it's fun ballpark. Yeah. Roger, um, this is a big question. I think a lot of Giants fans have been uh, wanting to, to know the answer to for a long time. So we're going to see what you think. What do you think the organization's plan is with Mauricio Dubon at this point? Because he's not really a prospect anymore. Right. You know, I think, I think we all watching the team last year saw that it looked like uh, Tyro Estrada had probably passed Dubon in the depth chart. Um, so if it comes to that, I think Estrada is on the team. However, I think this is also a front office that knows you always keep your options open for as long as you possibly can. Um, there's talk that they may have an expanded roster in April this year because of the quick ramp up. Um, they're not going to make a move until they have to make a move with Devon. He may at some point be the guy who draws the short stick just because he's out of options. And there's only room for so many people. But, you know, you saw the other night, Estrada took a, took a ball off the hand, right? Saturday, Saturday night, I think, right? Yep. Well, yes. you, get to, you get to April 7th, and that happens, and his hand's broken. And if you got transaction happy and, and, and shipped Dubon off early, then you're, you're stuck. So this is a team that is always going to keep as much options and as much flexibility as they can and not make moves until they're forced to. And it could be that Devon could play his way back into important role because, you know, these things have a way of working out. You know, too much talent is, is something that has a way of working out because injuries pop in, you know, who knows what. So my guess is at some point they're going to have to make a move with Devon, but they're not going to do it before they're forced to, I would say. Interesting. I feel like that kind of, you know, side point here, which we're great at Roger, by the way, we love tangents. <laughs> Um, that kind of brings to mind, like, like a Jason Kurzan, who is, I, I think I'm saying that right. Um, who, yeah. you know, is kind of in that middle infield, um, area and 
was in Sacramento last year, had a pretty good hitting season and he has been getting a lot of early looks with the big club this year. So I wonder if maybe they just want to do their due diligence, a great Byron Sabian, uh, you know, quote there and, and see what they have in him as well. I wonder if, if that's possible. Yeah. And I think everybody in this organization really likes Krasan. He's, you know, speaking of sidebar, <laughs> he's a guy who I would look to possibly getting hired as a coach at some point when he's, oh. when he's ready, oh. when he's ready for that. He, from what I heard in Sacramento, he was a real kind of leader on the, on the roster that had the younger players really looked up to. They talked to him a lot. He's very thoughtful. He has a great approach. So I, I can see him having a future in coaching, but that's somewhere down the road. But yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, you play out the scenario I just talked. If, if at some point the roster machinations mean they can't carry Dubon and they have to move him, you know, trade him for something, well, then having another guy who could fill in if necessary, who's not taking up a spot on the 40 man is really crucial, right? Yeah. You want people, you want depth like that. That's maybe, you know, first you want the guys on the major league roster. Then you want the guys on the 40 man roster in the minor leagues, the guys with options. And then you want guys who aren't on the 40 man at all, who right. can be turned to if you need to, in a certain circumstance. I, I, I definitely think you're right there. They, I think they would feel comfortable if they had to turn to him in a certain, in a particular circumstance. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you were able yeah. to enlighten me on that. So, uh, cause I was curious, I have been kind of curious about him since last year. Um, you know, but number 10 on your rankings here, we have, and you brought him up already and I want to make sure I'm saying this correct. Iverson Artiega. Cause he spells it in the most cool way. Um, I, I want to hear you talk about him. Uh, he thrived last year at the complex. Um, do you think he's probably starting off in San Jose this year? You know, talk about uh, Iverson Artiega. Yeah, uh, he is definitely going to start in San Jose this year. He they actually moved him up to San Jose for the playoff. Yeah, last year, and I believe he started at shortstop in Game One of the playoffs, which is kind of an extraordinary thing to do with you know an 18 year old who's been in the complex all year, uh, and it speaks to I think the Giants' faith in him not only as a player but um, as a person that he was mature enough to be ready for it. I got to talk to Iverson the other day. He's an impressive kid. Um, he, um, I asked him who his favorite player was growing up. And like, I, I hadn't even finished the question. And he said, Derek Jeter, because he wants to be the captain. He wants to be the guy who is pushing his teammates, who is making the team go, making them be successful. You know, he's, he's, he's a very talented player. But he's also more than that. He really thinks about his position in the roster and his position as a leader. Um, really, really nice kid and very impressive. But you can also see he's just gotten so much stronger. Like he's starting to look like, uh, you know, a, a man. And, and I don't want to overstate that, but you get <laughs> so like Diego Velasquez, who was signed a year later and is a year younger, he still looks like a, like, you know, a little boy. He's got the baby face and he's kind of the skinny high school kid. Artiaga is starting to look more like that college kid physique. And he swings the bat and he impacts the ball now. He hit just a monster home run the other day. Uh, today he hit uh, a very hard double up the gap. He really can impact the ball much more than I thought when, when they signed him a couple of years ago. Really athletic kid, great defensive actions. He's got a really good arm. Um, yeah, I like this kid and I think San Jose fans are going to like him too. He and Sugaste are 
you know, you don't want to make comparisons because they're very different players, but they're the Luciano and Matos of this year's San Jose roster in that gotcha. they're oh. the, they are the prospects. They're <clears throat> the guys who are in the middle of the lineup in the middle of the field. And they're going to make that team go, I think. And this kid just turned 19 last week. I mean, he's, he's a, a fresh 19. He's, he's right. a boy. He <laughs> boy that's growing into a man, of course, yes. according to you. Yes. He's <laughs> age wise. He's, he's very similar to where, Louis Matos was last year because sure. Matos's birthday, I think, is in January. So he was showed up. He played that whole season as a 19 year old, which is a lot to ask for kids at, at low A. So, you know, we'll see how we'll see how the performance goes because he hasn't done a full season yet. And that's always, you know, fatigue becomes a big factor and the demands on the body of playing every day for six months are pretty extreme. Um, but he is going to be one of the impact players on this roster. I'm pretty sure. Roger with, with the rule five draft being canceled this year, what chances would you give Seth Corey of turning things around with the organization? Oh, Seth, well, the first thing Seth Corey, I'm sure has done already is just wash 2021 off him. Right. Just <laughs> right. I, I would hope so. Forget that happened and go out and, and, and start over again because it was a very, very rough year for him. He, he really struggled to, to throw strikes almost from the beginning of the year. And there, there aren't many people who have gotten hurt worse by the loss of the 2020 season, I think, than Seth Corey because he was on such an incredible role at the end of 2019. And then, boom, you lose a year, and he comes back in 2021, and it just was never quite right from the beginning, and he was really just battling himself, and, and uh, it, it sort of spiraled on him a, a little bit, I think. So, you know, as far as a turn around goes, one thing I, th I think fans will say with Corey is, well, if he just figures out his control, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be great. He's going to be Madison Bumgarner or whatever. And, you know, control is, it's, uh, you know how they say it's like, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You either are, or you aren't, you can have a little <laughs> bit of control, right? It's, it's not, it's not binary. So it's not like, Oh, he has control or he doesn't have control. There are levels to this. And he's like, he went out at the AFL last year and you could see with the Arizona Fall League, you could see like there was good Seth Corey who would strike everybody out and then he'd walk four guys in a row. You get that a little bit better and you could have a lefty reliever, right? Because you don't have to have great control to be an impact arm out of the bullpen. Uh, and I know a lot of people have always looked at Corey and seen him as a bullpen arm. He could be an impactful one there if he, if he can get a little bit better. To get him to where he's an impact starter is probably, you know, several tiers of improved command above that. Um, and that could happen too. But, you know, maybe start with the little things. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they use him this year. Like, because you could see them saying, well, what if we tried him in the bullpen? What if we... What if we changed his role? Will that help him? Probably not. They're probably going to put him as a starter, either in Eugene or Richmond. But there are a lot of outcomes in play for him. He could be a bulk innings guy. He could be a middle reliever. He could be a starter. He could be a, a front of the rotation starter, although that will take a lot of improvement for him. But, you know, there are a lot of different potential outcomes here because He's a left-hander. He throws in the 90s. He misses bats with multiple pitches. Um, 
you know, one of the things that was disappointing last year is not just that he struggled so much to throw strikes, but as he got into that strike throwing struggle, he almost completely abandoned this changeup, which was a great pitch for him in 2019. He just stopped throwing it because I think he was, he was battling himself so much to try and throw strikes with the fastball that that was like too much for him to think about. And so, you know, I, that's when there, there are, there are various tiers of turning things around for him that could happen. And there are a lot of good outcomes that could come from him. He's, he's a very talented arm. And as we all know, when, it, when you're a lefty, you get a little longer uh, up a leash. So That's right. Absolutely. Right. You're, you're a lefty who throws in the 90s. You're going to get opportunities. You're, right? you're going to get chances. Yeah. So I think we can all agree that 2022 is a career binding year for, you know, uh, Seth Corey because – and and I love your take on it could be it could there could be so many outcomes because it's so true. I mean, um, you know, you can you can be effectively wild as a reliever and come in and face three or four guys and maybe not have your best stuff, but it's going to get the job done, you know, mm-hmm. and it's most of the time it's the total complete opposite um, if you're a starter and hey, I have to face, you know, 20 to 22 batters tonight. Right, and right. That's that's a great point you make there. Um. And the pitch in. count doesn't matter as much, right? Because it's not just the walks in his case, because he was, he was using up five, six, seven pitches per batter, right? You just can't go through that many batters when you're doing that because your pitch count gets up too high too quickly. Correct. But in relief, it's a different story, right? Also a good point. Um, I want to talk about Elliot Ramos. And I feel, you know, everybody talks about Elliot Ramos because he's like the closest guy. Um, and I believe you had him at uh, number six on your list. Is that correct? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I just want to know, how does Ramos's timeline change for this year with the abundance of outfielders now on this 40-man roster? I mean, they went and got Peterson last week. They still have Duggar. I mean, uh, Yaz is there, Wade. There is so many options in the outfield. What is his timeline? Well, he's another guy who 2022 is really big for because we just – you know, Farhan has said this, you want to see performance out of Elliot. You want to see him knock the door down. I, this outfield, there's a lot of people in it, but it's not unassailable, right? It's not like all of these spots are locked down by stars. Sure. Right? There right. can be opportunities in this outfield, um, particularly for a right-handed hitter. Cause I think a lot of giants fans, I'm certainly one of them think the giants, you know, need another right-handed bat. So I think the opportunity could easily come to him, but he needs to perform. He needs to, he needs to be the guy who's standing there when the opportunity happens. And that's, we didn't see that from him last year. He's another guy who, you know, you, you wonder about the missing 2020 because his 2019 was really loud and really impressive. Um, and last year, he, he struggled to perform. He struggled at double-A. And I think the Giants were kind of looking for a run of good performance to, to promote him, to see if that maybe the promotion, you know, gave him a little lift. And he came up to Sacramento, and he, he struggled there too. So performance-wise, it wasn't great. The tools are fantastic. I don't know anybody who watches him play who doesn't think this guy has what it takes. But he needs to perform. If he performs, there will come a point at this year where an opportunity will happen, I think. You know, I, I've said this multiple times on this podcast, and I truly believe this. I, mm. I, And again, I don't run an organization. I don't run a farm system or whatever. But 
if I did, I would want to see my, you know, young prospects coming up. I'd want to see them thrive and then struggle and figure out the struggles and then begin to thrive again. And then, you know, that's your promotion right there. You figured it out. Okay, let's move on and let's see what you can do at the next level. And I think that's a great example with, with Ramos is, you know, um, he had a decent amount of power numbers in Richmond last year and he struggled and then he started to get things going again a little bit, but then he got called up to Sacramento and um, you know, the numbers were just okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping if he does indeed start off in, in triple a sack this year that uh, he kind of just comes out of the gate roaring, like you said, and he has to be the man. He has to show that in order to get that opportunity. I really, uh, I, I agree with what you said. I like to see, prospects struggle because a guy who never struggles we kind of wonder well how are they going to respond when they do which is why 2019 for Ramos was so impressive to me because they pushed him hard sending him to Augusta when he was only 18 and that was a rough year for him and then he comes back and has this incredible season with San Jose and and so you know the same hopefully the same thing will happen this year like the lessons of 2021 get turned into performance for him I, I i totally agree with you that, that it's better to watch guys struggle and figure it out than just to have guys sail through every level yeah but when he was playing to down with san jose he was as much of a five-tool talent as any player i think i've ever seen at at that level especially in in person i mean he he was turning doubles into triples, you know, kind of cutting off balls in the outfield, outfield, squaring everything up. So really, really pulling for him to, you know, figure it out. That foot an injury set him an, back. That foot injury yeah, was tough. Absolutely. An interesting thing about Ramos is he has a real opposite field approach, and he has a lot of power to the opposite way too. It's uh, in uh, when I did my profile of him, when it, the number six. Uh, I actually had a spray chart of his home runs and you see that he hit actually most of his home runs last year to right field, which is an approach he has always had. And it's really strong with him. Um, And so you wonder how that's going to ultimately play with Oracle where, you know, Mr. Posey and and as many guys approaches often get kind of punished by that part for that approach. So that'll be something to watch with him too. I think when he gets to San Francisco. Roger does does Farhan's insistence right now of stacking up on veteran arms tell us that the starting pitching depth in the minors isn't particularly great at the moment, or is there a little more to it than that? I mean, I don't think any team that thinks of itself as a contender wants to put itself in a position of relying on rookie pitchers too often. I mean, even if they're a stud, like, Maybe Giants fans don't remember this, but because I had him on my fantasy team, I remember this very well, that when Walker Bueller was coming up, the Dodgers were so conservative with him, right? They'd give him a start, they'd send him back down. And like a month later, they'd give him a start and send him back down. (laughs) When you're competing for, when you think of yourself as a team that can go all the way, you don't necessarily want to make your plans revolve around young pitching. So, I mean, I think that's what the roster construction is about. It's about how do we, make 2022 as good as we can that said this isn't a team particularly in the upper minors with a lot of impact pitching talent there are some definitely some interesting arms and there's a lot of really good arms in, in a ball kyle harrison who i mentioned is um certainly the best pitching prospect in this in this organization um but i tell you i'm going out here to the to the field every day and i'm seeing 
so many big arms from the 2021 draft. I mean, Mason Black was out there blowing 97, 98 yesterday. Eric Silva, high school kid, looked great today. There are a lot of big arms. Whether there's a lot of really quality starting pitching prospects, we'll see the next couple of years. But definitely in the upper minors, there's not a ton of that. One guy to keep an eye on, I would say, um, is Tristan Beck, um, who is, uh, he was a Stanford, uh, a kid from Stanford who they got from Atlanta a couple of years ago in the Mark Melanson trade. Yep. He's a really, really good arm when healthy. And that's been an issue for him. And he missed almost all of 2021 with a back injury. Uh, I saw him the other day and he was from 94, 95. He's got this great curve. If they had a healthy Tristan Beck this year in Richmond or Sacramento, he might be the best kind of prospect depth on the starting position side that they have. Um, but right now, the AA, AAA, it's a lot of kind of, you know, Sammy Long, Sean Deli guys who are not people you want to build a contending roster around this year. You know, maybe they'll get to the point where they can soak up innings in a couple of years. Um, but right now it's a little thin at the, the upper minors, I would say, starting pitching wise. Roger, um, you know, number 14, you have Diego Rincones and I know, I know you like this guy a lot. Uh, and, and I, I really wanted to get some, uh, some of your take on it. I'm, I'm looking at his numbers here and I know, you know, he, he hit well right out of the gate in Eugene last year. And then after 25 games, boom, he got the call up to Richmond and, uh, he continued to hit well there 290, um, you know, hit 10 home runs at 33 RBIs. Um, I know he has some weight concerns from what I hear, and you may correct me on that. Um, but for, from what I gather, that's what I hear. But also, is he is he a guy that's going to start immediately in, in AAA sack, you think, and potentially have a possibility of getting looked at at the show this year? You know, that's a really good question. You know, what you, you, you mentioned the stats, which were amazing. Like, he went to Eugene, and he's on a team with, you know, all these first round draft choices, right? Hunter Bishop is there and Patrick Bailey is there. Will Wilson is there. Yeah. Um, and he was easily the best hitter on that roster for the first one, one of the best hitters in the league. Um, and not only did he then go up to Richmond and perform there, he actually missed about a month of last season because he was playing for the Venezuelan um, Olympic qualifying team. And he was the best player on that team. So our best hitter, I should say on that team, because the, you bring up, yes, there are, valid concerns with Diego Rincones. He needs to be a better defensive player. His, he needs better conditioning. He's got, he, he's, it, it's funny because uh, the whole rule five thing, uh, which you mentioned earlier with Seth Corey, there were all these questions like, would you take Diego Rincones in the rule five? He's not a guy who really profiles as a rule five pick because he's hard to carry on a roster, right? You can't play him up the middle. He doesn't really play defense very well and to be honest he looks a little like you know a very league softball player too long <laughs> a kid 22 right he's 22 should look more like elliot ramos than like diego Ricardo. Sure. that said this guy hits he's hit everywhere he's ever been and i think he will always hit he needs to focus more on these other aspects of his game but He's sort of the opposite of Elliot Ramos. He just performs. He doesn't, you know, blow you away with his tools. 
Um, he hasn't always shown great power, although he did last year. It's, yeah. it's mostly kind of smart power. It's not like raw power. It's he knows how to hit and he knows how to leverage certain counts and, and certain certain swings. Um, he's the kind of guy you can just see sort of bouncing around and then at some point getting a chance somewhere and and just performing because that's what he does. But he's never going to force the issue because these other aspects of his game are lacking, frankly. So, you know, you almost kind of, you almost would kind of like to see him get a, picked in the role to five, but like a, a Baltimore or a Detroit, because if you put him in a situation like that, I bet he would thrive. In in San Francisco, it's going to really have to be, the scenario has to play out just right. Like there's got to be injuries. There's got to be, you know, somebody's not performing well it's got to really work out for him but if an opportunity came his way you know kind of like yes two years ago right three years ago when yes came up to the majors he's a 27 year old career minor leaguer who spent six years in double a and never really had that great of numbers there but he had a great half season in sacramento there was a need he was the guy there who had performed and he got his opportunity and when he got his opportunity he took advantage of it. When Diego Rincones gets an opportunity, I think he'll take advantage of it because I just think he's always going to hit. But it sure would be nice if he would maybe improve some of these other aspects of his game to kind of make it a better package. I, I think the thing that sticks out to me, and Rob and I talk about this all the time, I mean, he had over 200 plate appearances in AA Richmond last year, which is, it's it's a decent portion size. Um, but I mean, this is a pitching heavy league and he hit well and well right out of the gate. And so that's, that's what impressed me the most. Um, just a basic stat looking at like that, but also, and I talked to Renzi Regadone on uh, a couple weeks ago, we were, we were talking and like, would the giants be opposed to, and now they do have a DH available, you know, don't have to worry about defense. He can just go out and hit and, or, they don't. They aren't very deep at first base in this organization. Could they possibly mm-hmm. move them to first base? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, Diego Rincon is at first base. Yeah, you know, first base is it's a funny position because it does take more athleticism than it maybe appears. Sure. Um, you know, David VR, who's another guy who hit really well at Richmond last year, who I also really like. Uh, it has. He was a third baseman. He's been taking a lot of at-bats at first base, I've noticed, with the Giants uh, so far the spring training. He's a pretty good first baseman. I'm not sure that the speed of the game would work for Rincones in the infield. Um, it, you know, it's an interesting question because they do have the DH, but then you know how Farhan loves flexibility. He likes guys who can move around a lot. Sure. You know, I don't know that they're necessarily going to, because they have the DH allow for DH kind of players, quote unquote, you know, you know, it's probably not going to be a David Ortiz in the giants. Well, it would be nice to have a David Ortiz in the giants, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, it, <laughs> but I don't know. That's the type of player they look at. Um, but, you know, Rincon is, I saw a lot of him in Richmond too last year. He's, he is a smart hitter. He's his, his swing is a little unorthodox, but, he just he hits in every part of the strike zone, right? He can hit breaking balls. He can hit velocity. He can hit balls away. He can pull balls on the inside. He 
he knows the strike zone really well, and he seems to barrel up almost everything. Um, so, and like I say, you know, you'd like to see if he were more athletic, he'd be Louis Matos because that's Louis Matos too, right? Louis Matos hits everything. He has an ability to get to the ball yeah. almost anywhere it is, but he's also fast and he's also athletic and he plays a dynamic center field. Um, you know, Renconis doesn't bring those parts of his game, but he just hits everything. And, and you know, you mentioned that's a pitching heavy league. It is, but not only that, Richmond is a terrible, terrible hitting park. It's got these, it has this weird thing where the sunshine is like going just over the rim of the stadium and it cre- creates these real shadows everywhere. So it's hard <laughs> to see there and the ball doesn't carry. Um, I remember talking to Simon Whiteman last year, um, who is an Speedster. infielder. Yep. Yeah. I love, I love him, but they were trying him out in the outfield, um, you know, to make him kind of more flexible. And I asked him how that was going. And he said, well, fortunately it's kind of easy here in Richmond because the ball never carries anyway. So I never worry about it getting over my head. Right. <laughs> So that's the environment in which Rincones uh, is really, really performing. And it, it, it's just impressive to see. So I, I do hope he gets the, an opportunity at some point. I, I got to say, just to put this in perspective, you, you know, for some people, it sounds like he has a lot of Pablo Sandoval traits in him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a way to, if you put Pablo in left field. Uh, <laughs> oh God. And, and it wasn't <laughs> left-handed. It was the only right-handed hitter. You yeah. would, you would have something like, like Rincones. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true. I, um, that, that kind of segues into my next question. Does, does the DH officially making its way to, to the NL change the way Farhan views some of these prospects overall? Man, I set you up perfectly, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, perfect segue, Doug. Good job. <laughs> you know, my guess is no. Um, you know, you can, you, you can sometimes out-trick yourself. But my guess is the Giants are always going to want guys who – they can move around the field and they're not going to want to like jam up that position. I was, uh, I was talking to Kyle Haynes today. There's a player who I've always really, really liked and this is kind of a deep dive, which is maybe going far afield. Uh, but there's this kid named Gordy Santos. Who I've always, always really, really liked um, very athletic uh, shortstop second baseman. And uh, he's, he's unfortunately had a lot of injuries that have slowed him down, but they're trying to mount in center field today, which looked great. Um, and I was talking to Kyle about this. I said, yeah, how do you like that? I'm like, yeah, that looks great because this is another avenue that somebody like that can succeed in. And I think that's always going to be Farhan's desire, right? You saw Tyro Estrada playing left field last year and, and Maurizio Debone playing center field. I think even with the DH, that's going to be the kind of guy they want to cultivate is that one who can bop around the field in as many different spots as possible and then use the DH as load management essentially. Yeah. In a perfect world, you know, Farhan would want a whole team of Ben Zobris. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, if, if, if we could get all that, 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 that'd be great. That would be pretty cool. Actually. Nine Ben Zobris. Yeah. I mean, what would you do every day? What would you do? I can do everything but pitch. Yeah. I'm Ben Zobris. <laughs> You know, kind well, of I mean, last... they, do, they do have Alex Blandino, so you can add pitching yeah. to, the, uh, to, he's the, playing, to the... He's playing right now. Is he? Mm-hmm. Another Sanford kid. I would not be surprised if he's on this team at some point. They do love the intelligence. Um, so, yeah, Stanford guys are, are uh, very attractive to the Giants organization. Um, number 20, and this, this is like our last question here, but number 20 on your list, you have Randy Rodriguez, and I've heard about him a little bit. So I've done, I've done some more research. Um, he has ridiculous strikeout stuff and he is 22, 
Uh, do you think this kid uh, is the giant as the Giants continue developing out of the bullpen or do they try and, you know, put him as a rotation piece? I struggled so much with how to rank Randy Rodriguez. Um, and I, I struggle with relievers in general, but I really struggled with Rodriguez because I think they may have a starter on their hands mm-hmm. there. It's, and I, and, and I haven't seen him at all this week because he's obviously in major league camp. He's on the 40 man. Um, but I tell you, I went out to San Jose last year. Oh, when that was maybe the first week of August. And, uh, and I had on my list of all the guys I wanted to see. I was like, okay, I want to make sure I'm there for Kyle Harrison, sorry, for Lando Burrow. I had all these guys. And um, Rodriguez came in one, that one, one time, and he's I'm like, man, this guy's good. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's got something. And I went and I, I talked to Joe Rizzo, who's, of course, the San Jose play-by-play man. And I'm like, I know Rodriguez is really good, isn't he? He's like, oh, yeah. Every team that comes here, they're like, who is this guy? Because <laughs> it was such a big arm. And it really, it really kind of like the ball started rolling down or up there. The ball was rolling in a really good direction, whichever direction it is, as the season went on. Because the beginning of the year, he seemed a little a little skittish. And not only maybe, you know, that jump from the complex to having fans is a really big kind of psychological jump. And so it took him a while to find his footing. But that second half of the season – he went something like two months without giving up a run at the end of the year with incredible strikeout numbers. He was throwing 98, 99 by the end of the year. He has a big lateral sweeping slider that misses bats. He throws a changeup. He didn't throw it a lot, but you can see it as a viable pitch. And, you know, I talked to scouts while I was out there. I'm like, I think this guy could start, right? And they're like, yeah, I think this guy could start. So it was really good to hear Farhan say that. And, you know, and it was really noticeable. J.J. Uh, Cooper, Baseball America, always says, you know, protecting people for the Rule 5 draft is one of those very few places in the calendar year where teams have to kind of make a public statement about how they feel about players. Protecting sure. him and not, say, Prolanda Baroa, who was a very good starter for that, San Jose team and not Seth Corey. That was a big, that's a big statement. So I am hoping they try him as a starter in Eugene. I mean, it may be more that he's going to be a bulk inning reliever, um, but he didn't throw that many fewer innings than say Kyle Harrison last year. I think he had 30 fewer innings than Harrison. He had a pretty big workload um, as a reliever and he threw three innings a lot. I think he might have thrown four innings in one game. It's not that big a stretch for him, and I think yeah. he's got the repertoire to do it. It's a big, big arm. He's a guy who could be a huge upside play as a starter if they try him that way. I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with him this year. Yeah, and that's what led me to that point was, his, one, his stuff, but two, you know, his workloads. And um, definitely, you know – a little over three, you know, walks per nine, which that's still not that bad. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely could translate. And it, it, I think it would change his timeline. I mean, he is 22. He's not super young. Um, but, you know, like you said, 62 innings last year in um, San Jose. It's going to be interesting to see if he actually is in Eugene very long. I mean, last last little tidbit question about that. But like, what do you, where do you see his timeline for this year? Well, so 
yeah, not to go on a tangent, I've complained for many, many years <laughs> that international players are treated unfairly because they're put on the same development timeline as American high school kids in the draft in terms sure. of when you have to be protected for the rule five. So frequently there are players like Rodriguez, bro is another one who, who have that decision point when they're still in the low minors. So now he's on the 40 man that he's got three option years, right? You can't spend forever getting the development. They, you have to push him. So the fact that he's got three option years and he's starting in high A means that's why a lot of times international pitchers get moved to the bullpen at some point, because you don't have time to wait for them to develop as a starter. Um, so I tend to agree with you that if he were to start well in Eugene, they would want to push him because you cannot waste those option years um, on a 40 man guy, how that will play out in terms of reliever or starter. He could move quicker as a reliever. So we saw that last year with, with Camilo Duvall and Gregory Santos. And these guys who basically just jumped over almost every level in the minors um, because as a reliever, you can move quickly. If they want to move him as a starter, which I hope they do, they can't have him spend the whole year in, in Eugene because it's just it, the options calendar doesn't work that way. Yep. Great point. Um, yeah. You know, Roger, we really, I God, I wish we could have another 45 minutes and ask more questions. We're going to have to get you back on so we can ask more Got questions. A lot more. Got a lot more. <laughs> um, but you know, Roger, I, I know you've been busy, you've been in Arizona. Um, you know, where can people find your podcast? Where can they find your, your articles? Where can everybody find this stuff? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, which as you said earlier, Rod 61, you, you'll always find all of my stuff there. Ultimately, um, I'm always happy for people to subscribe to thereargiants.com, which is just the letter R, like, like my name, Roger. Theirgiants.com. Everything goes up there, which is my Substack site, uh, even the podcast. The podcasts come out once a week, uh, and then I do have them on iTunes and, and uh, Spotify and all the normal uh, podcast places. But yeah, follow me on Twitter, and you'll see everything, or subscribe to theirgiants.com, and you will find everything I do. And Roger, thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. And um, until next time, for Say Hey Rob, Roger, this is Say Hey Doug. Thank you for joining us, and go Giants. Go Giants. When the Giants come to town, it's bye-bye, baby. Every time the chips are down, it's Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.